0: Hello again, and welcome back to Austin Found. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. And this is an exciting day. It's an exciting day for me, so I can't imagine how it feels for you, Michael. <laughs> but literally, uh, Michael showed up here today with... It didn't take the time to autograph it. But I wanted to personalize it. <laughs> volume 4 of Indelible Austin. And if you're new to this show, uh, certainly go back and listen to all the prior episodes. You don't have to listen in any particular order. We've designed it that way. But a good chunk of these episodes that we do are derived from Indelible Austin. That's correct. The first three volumes. And in fact, a couple of stories
1: that we talked about on air uh, ended up in this volume, volume four. And so it took a long time through the pandemic to get this published. Uh, I think we were talking about volume four two years ago. You know, the uh,
0: silver lining, I think, of that taking having the delay is people are more comfortable in public. Mm-hmm. And as you go out and do some book signings mm-hmm. and, and some Absolutely. public engagements. Absolutely. Cuz if it had this been a year ago, yeah. Uh, it would have been on Zoom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and we had a, a a marvelous launch at the Old Millard Opera House, which is now the Austin Club, and there was a luncheon called the Angelina Eberly luncheon and it it benefits the Austin History Center Association, which is the publisher. Mm. of this series uh, through their Waterloo Press.
0: Okay. Again, I'm excited about this, too. One, for you as a friend, but also I enjoy reading these, and it means a lot more episodes of Austin. Exactly. <laughs> teed up for us, basically. Can you give us some sneak preview of some of the stories that come to mind, mm-hmm. some things that we're going to get in uh, volume four? Well, I'd like to start with the
1: quote at the front. Okay. Sure quote from author Sandra Cisneros, uh, taken from a 2012 CNN interview. And this really struck me as what's at the heart of a lot of the stories. When you have your heart broken wide, you are also open to things of beauty as well as things of sadness. Once people are not here physically, the spiritual remains. We can still connect. We can communicate. We can give and receive love and forgiveness. There is love after someone dies. hmm Yeah, I mean, we're talk about this history often in a breezy way, but uh, a lot of this is passing us by. you know history uh, are people. History is people who lived and died and and that's what we're recording.
0: That's interesting, you say that. my, uh, my dad shared a picture on on Facebook of my grandmother when she was little hmm. And it just I was at a bar and I just started bawling. <laughs> you <laughs> exactly. know, it, it's just like, wow, we we just can't can't forget this stuff and you got to pass it on and archive this stuff. And it's uh, even more important or, or just as important, I
1: should say, to the community at large to to preserve and share these things. Especially
0: in a rapidly changing city. <laughs> That's right. I mean, if you just look what is, I just, okay, again, it's, it's the beginning of April, 2022, they just announced the approval of a 75 foot story building. I'm sure you saw that. 75 stories. Yeah. A thousand feet,
1: I think. And more coming. Yeah. You know, after they announced that, they announced two more towers. I mean, it's just, I I get lost downtown walking around. I go.
0: I don't know where I am. <laughs> I know. And, it, it, you know, is a longtime Austinite, 75 stories doesn't give me much scope of what that is, you know. But that's – it might be the tallest in Texas, they're I, saying. I believe it will be. It mean, wasn't that long ago. The 30 stories was really, really tall. tall in downtown Austin. Right.
1: Now, I'm not trying to uh, diss the towers. I like a good skyscraper, yeah. and they should be downtown. I don't. I I hate them when they're out in the suburbs. And yeah. I'm going, yeah. Oh, what is this? You know. Yeah. But d- they belong downtown, and I think we need density because it is a a, a good way to to uh, use the land in, in a sane way. But it it is. Is seriously changing our city.
0: Yeah. And for those that don't know, historically Michael's a guy who will go on foot instead of car. <laughs> and it's, you know, this new generation buying condos that they're going carless. Yeah. Which could be a really good thing. Yeah, there's several uh carless hotels and and residences downtown now. Yeah. No garage. All right. Back to volume four. Uh, yes. Give us an idea of some things we can look forward to, both for this uh, podcast and for people who want to run out and purchase the book.
1: Well, as you know, the chapters are arranged by theme and and not chronologically. And this allows people to read it in whatever order they want and, and flip ahead or go back. Uh, although reading – Uh, Several different pieces that are themed together, like uh, histories of neighborhoods or ancestral families or legacy businesses, helps you make the connections among those connections that you wouldn't have made when these stories appeared in the American Statesman originally. Mm -hmm. But for instance, the first chapter is called Fun, Fun, Fun. And of course, that's a reference to the Fun, Fun, Fun festival. And we have stories about Aquafest ah. <laughs> and the fajita King, the guy who introduced uh, the fajita born to the in world. Austin. Well, born in the valley but lived his adult life in Austin and, and he and inter- introduced the world to it. He introduced the world to fajitas as we know them. And then there's a story about the poster boys which would be the the group, the club. I'd like to call them of mostly men who designed all those music posters back in the 60s and 70s during the, the psychedelic era and the Armadillo World Headquarters era. And there's one story in the first chapter that is maybe the lightest weight in the whole book, and it's called The Lego State Capitol. And it's about this guy, a kid to me, who created uh, uh, a replica of our state capital out of Legos, it's, oh, it's gigantic, and it's on display at the Capitol Visitor Center, and I was there when they were bringing it in to set it up, and the dome had collapsed on the freeway coming in because oh. a, a, a bus had stopped, <laughs> but he had this whole army of skilled Lego reconstructors, and everything has been designed on computers, so they were able, within a day, to to reconstruct it. Wow.
0: <laughs> what's another one of your favorite uh, we'll kind of look at it by chapters yeah and, uh, or you know i mean uh, you say each chapter has a theme
1: What was well one the second th- one is runs in the family and that uh, has family stories and a lot of them also are associated with businesses a legacy of antiques is about a woman whose family has owned an antique business in east austin since the 1920s, and their, their current location is on East 6th Street in a building that's falling apart
0: and is, you know, surrounded by mid-rises, and yet she hangs on there. But if an antique store started in the 20s, what were they selling in the 20s?
1: <laughs> things from the 19th century, <laughs> I guess. Rocks. Well, she's African-American, <laughs> and one of the things she collects is African-American memorabilia, which is, to to the modern eye, quite racist and has cartoonish figures, but she says it's part of her
0: history. It should be collected and preserved too. Interesting. And maybe some some uh, uh, black owned businesses, some of their signs and things like that yeah. from old East Austin. That would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, that's
1: not her specialty. Okay, uh,
0: her her stuff
1: is kind of decor and mementos Mm. and and things like that of small scale but as far as i know she's still hanging on and uh another one in this chapter which is i had a lot of fun with was meet me at petticoat fair this family owns that's the lingerie the locally owned lingerie store Yeah. yeah yeah and it started on the drag and it started at the same time that there was a hit show on television it's before your time uh, called Petticoat Junction.
0: Oh, I remember. Why I watched that in reruns? For well, sure, because yeah. they rerun <laughs>
1: everything from the fifties and sixties over and over, over <laughs> right. again. and over, right? And people still call it. Uh, you know, they'll say, "Oh, here at Petticoat Junction, mm. it's Petticoat Fair," but and, and that was a really fun story, multi generational mm. story about this family business. There's a story in this chapter about a man who was saved from the 1922 tornado by hanging onto a tree in Travis Heights. That's the guy that lost his pants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so chapter three is the creative class and it's about, well, for instance, how awesome became a film mecca. How the Texas Book Festival was created and it, all through the years, a timeline of it. There are several timelines in this book. I don't
0: know. Now, it sounds like that chapter really fills in some holes if you want to figure out how Austin became what it is today. Right? Yeah. yeah, because that's that's
1: one of our most important cultural and economic sectors in town and is is not just movies, but all of the creative sector. Mm. And it wasn't always here. You know, this is something still within our lifetimes that we became this creative capital. Chapter four is places that endure. And I I write about the first Congress Avenue bridges and then these fantastic photographs that were found of the construction of the current Congress Avenue bridge, which had been in hiding. And I convinced the, the engineering company who had them to please give them to the history center because yeah. they don't need to be on your walls at your corporate office. Right. They, I did a story on a sweet subdivision called Western Trails.
0: I read that story when it when it ran the first time. I love that neighborhood because it's got that mid century vibe. Oh, all over the place. Yeah. And the the, the couple who own the house that was my
1: main uh, target in this have. Not only renovated it, it very sensitively, they have all this mid-century furniture and decor. It's oh, like yeah. a museum. Yeah, yeah. I love that fantastic. neighborhood. Chapter five is tour health. We know a lot about the pandemic and that. And also a, a man who, a profile of a man who ran the uh, emergency room at uh, Brack, Brackenridge Hospital, and then at the Children's Hospital. And he wrote a, a book of actually, since has written another one of memories of incidents in the emergency room. And you got to know those are exciting and interesting. And one of them, this guy was clearly near death, couldn't get any air down his throat, and was it, they couldn't figure out what was going on. So he went in with a light, and he found something that looked like a giant tumor. So he's goes, Oh my God, how has this guy been living with a tumor in the middle of his throat? And then he noticed a poppy seed or something and he pulls it out and it was, it was a uh, Italian sausage that <laughs> you <know>, a whole <laughs> big chunk of Italian sausage. It was stuck in his throat. As soon as he dug it out, you know, the the guy says I'm going, thanks, Doc. <laughs> and chapter six is Dark Days. And this has some stories that are disturbing. That's what
0: I was wondering. I was going to ask that because on this show and in your books, you, you don't just cover all the darling stories. You mm-hmm. cover... You uncover the, the uglier side of, of things and in, in, in human behavior sometimes. So Well there there was uh several
1: shocking crimes, some that have been unsolved for a hundred years. And then there's a story about the Texas Rangers and how they have uh cleaned up their history for myths, but the record remains, and I uh, got in trouble for that one. I think I lost some subscribers to Think Texas because uh, oh, it's
0: glamorized? Texas Rangers are glamorized. Yeah, yeah. and then
1: mm. one that I really liked that never ran in print before is about whether or not we had a slave auction house here in Austin. Mm. In a magazine, in a national magazine, they ran a picture of what was purportedly a, a slave auction on Congress Avenue in Austin. Mm and i did quite a bit of research and found that no that wasn't austin but getting it off the internet you know getting these various publications to like getty images new york review books to correct that was a Mm. a surprising struggle because as soon as i presented the evidence that image should come down Oh, because, yeah, because if people see that, they'll believe it to be true. Right, and and then nothing in my efforts was meant to absolve Austin or Texas of enslaving people or trading slaves. But I want to make it clear that this was not a slave trading center. Hmm. Uh, Houston was, Galveston was, Charleston was, Montgomery was. The the coast. The the coast, of course. yeah. And... If you don't get things right, then people don't listen to you when
0: you tell them what was really wrong. Mm. So get it right. (laughs) Is there one that just had you laughing out loud like the outlandish poet did for me (laughs) from one of your other books?
1: Well, I I have all kinds of funny stories that, that are not coming to mind right away. Oh, I know. Here's one. This this wonderful guy who turned 100 and just was a sweetheart and uh, said, you know, his his uh, tagline was, I just love people. I interviewed him. Of course, it was the pandemic. I interviewed him by Zoom. This was not only his first time on Zoom, the man who turned 100. He was for his first time on a computer oh my ever. God. <laughs> and he turned out to be a sweetheart. Wow. And, you know, he went through life just being kind to people. Uh, he's actually in my neighborhood, in the Bolton neighborhood. Mm. And that was a sweet story, but a funny story, too.
0: I'm surprised, uh, Michael, you have not organized an annual get-together of centenarians <laughs> in Austin. <laughs> well,
1: they, they tend
0: to go at some
1: point. <laughs> But no, I mean there there are a lot of them who are going strong. Uh, uh, one that I profiled a few years ago, she's 105 now. But if somebody says, "Yeah, my granny remembers the 1920s," and I go, "She's my gal," I'm I mm-hmm. am going to come and mm-hmm. interview her if if she is willing. I will. En-. There was another guy who actually lived out in Western Hills, who was 101, I think, who grew up in the area around where I lived in his family businesses were there on South Congress. And he's so spry, pushing his walker down Congress Avenue, that we toured all these places where his house was, where his church was, where his businesses were. And he was hilarious, sometimes a little off color, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) But to give you an example of how snappy was, I told him that that the house that he had added on to, which uh, is a tiny cottage, tiny cottage on Newton, that uh, it had recently sold for like one point three million dollars or uh, something, yeah. and he was. Well, I guess that basement I put in was worth something. (laughs) Oh, man, they're not keeping the basement. They're not keeping the house.
0: (laughs) But you can keep thinking that. Oh, that's funny. That's great. Well, congratulations, Michael. This is out everywhere. How long does this take? Again, it's April of 2022. Yes, you can get
1: it at book people. At some point at all the bookstores and gift shops in town that carried the first three. Also, you can get it online at the Austin History Center Association site. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to getting back out there on the speaking circuit. And if your club or church group or work group needs a speaker, they company,
0: can reach you. How? It's free. <laughs> at statesman.com. Well, congratulations. And uh, this, this is great. I'm happy for you. And uh, I'm happy for all the preservation of Austin's stories here. So thank you for tuning in to Austin Found. Happy trail.